Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Boston Sanctuary since 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the Boston metropolitan area and beyond. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. We're located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets in downtown Boston, Massachusetts. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. Dick, look, look, oh, 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 look, look, oh, look. Name that quote. Yes, it's the opening of the Dick and Jane books, featuring the much maligned whole word phonics-free method by which some of us actually learn to read. I will never forget the first day of first grade. It began with, look, and I've never looked back. It is only now, so many years later, that I've learned that that Dick and Jane I knew and loved were actually the Protestant versions. The Catholic and Seventh-day Adventists were reading about Judy and John, renamed for Catholic saints. Of note is that until 1965, none of these ubiquitous books featured multi-ethnic characters. And although I don't remember it, my sainted teacher, Miss Martin, must have been expected to teach the questionable sequence in which Dick and Jane are given zip-up laundry bags with which to play. Oh, 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 look, look, oh, look. It was my colleague, Robert Fulgham, who sent me back to reminisce about my reading debut. His beautiful little piece is entitled All I really need to know I learned in kindergarten. It enumerates 16 things that we learn as children that when when applied might just be everything we need to be happy and good adults. I commend them to you. For today I'm thinking about number 16. Bob Fulgham writes, remember the Dick and Jane books and the first word you learned. The biggest word of all, look. Do you know the work of Frederick Frank? When I think of look after Dick and Jane, I think of Frederick Frank. He was born in the Netherlands, though he became a US citizen. He was a dental surgeon who worked with Dr. Albert Schweitzer in Africa. He was a painter and sculptor and an author a true Renaissance man. His book, The Zen of Seeing, is a classic. Frederick Frank's motto, attributed to the seventh century Chinese monastic Hui Neng, is the meaning of life is to see. In his work, though, the eyes are only one vehicle for vision. With Saint Bonaventure, he distinguishes the eye of the flesh the eye of reason, and the eye of contemplation that sees unto liberation. 
Authors Frederick and Marianne Broussat remember him as someone with profound insights into what it really means to open your eyes and see the abundant wonders and miracles inside of you, in front of you. He believed and dedicated his life's work to the belief that if we could look and see that clearly, there would be peace. Frederick Frank tells this beautiful story about the spiritual practice of seeing. Grandfather's house was full of treasures, and the greatest treasure by far was what grandfather referred to as his stereopticon. To this contraption, more properly known as stereoscope, I probably owe my way of perceiving the world. The antique contrivance consisted of twin lenses set in a leather-covered housing lined with red velvet. From this housing, a kind of wooden slide rule jutted forward with a device at its end in which you placed twin photographs. Then, pressing the velvet edge to your face, you saw through the lenses an oak tree, not flat as in a picture, but all in the round a living presence. For hours I could sit and watch the miraculous three-dimensionality of cows in a meadow, of lovers dallying under lilac bushes full of white doves, and of Princess Juliana of the Netherlands riding her piebald pony. And so it came about that sometimes when I got tired on the long solo hikes I loved, I found I could command my eyes, now look as though through the stereopticon. And suddenly every blade of grass sprang to life again and stood there in a space all its own. Clumps of trees broke up into individual living beings, each one rising from its own roots deep in the earth. People underwent an extraordinary metamorphosis they too became unique, mysterious beings. When seen stereoscopically, each thing became a poignant living presence. Grandfather's gadget, I now realize, was the mute master who initiated me into seeing, who gave me the first hints that one's everyday eye can become an awakened eye an eye that can do indefinitely more than merely look, an eye awakened from its habitual slumber to fully conscious perception. There are drawbacks to this eye awakened, Frederick Frank concludes. You can't cut down that sumac that is in the way because it's only a sumac. The waiter is waiter no longer once you see the tremor in that hand. The cow is no more cattle when you have drawn those eyes. Stereoscopic seeing may make you relatively harmless. It also makes you vulnerable. It's beautiful, isn't it? It's what E.E. E. Cummings was celebrating in his poem that ends, 
Now the ears of my ears awake and the eyes of my eyes are opened. You know it. Here it is. I thank you, God, for most this amazing day. For the leaping greenly spirits of trees and a blue true dream of sky. And for everything which is natural, which is infinite, which is yes. I who have died am alive again today. And this is the sun's birthday. This is the birthday of life and love and wings and of the gay, great happening, illimitably, earth. How should tasting, touching, hearing, seeing, breathing, any lifted from the know of all nothing human merely being, doubt, unimaginable, you. Now the ears of my ears awake, and now the eyes of my eyes are opened. There's a fabulous story told by Zen teacher Charlotte Joko Beck in which she recounts her experience as a piano major at Oberlin Conservatory. She writes, I was a very good student, not outstanding, but very good. And I very much wanted to study with one teacher who was undoubtedly the best. He'd take ordinary students and turn them into fabulous pianists. Finally, I got my chance to study with the teacher. When I went in for my lesson, I found that he taught with two pianos. He didn't even say hello. He just sat down at his piano and played five notes, and then he said, you do it. I was supposed to play it just the way he played it. I played it. And he said, no. He played it again, and I played it again. Again, he said, no. Well, we had an hour of that. And each time, he said, no. In the next three months, I played about three measures, perhaps half a minute of music. Now, I had thought I was pretty good. I'd played soloist with little symphony orchestras. Yet, we did this for three months, and I cried most of those three months. He had all the marks of a real teacher, that tremendous drive and determination to make the student see. That's why he was so good. And at the end of three months, one day, he said, good. What had happened in those three months? I had the same set of ears I started with. Nothing had happened to my ears. What I was playing was not technically difficult. What had happened was that I had learned to listen for the first time. I learned to pay attention. That was why he was such a great teacher. He taught his students to pay attention. After working with him, we really heard, we really listened 
When you can hear it, you can play it. And finished, beautiful pianists would finally come out of his studio. Look. Listen. Look. Last weekend, snowshoeing along a spectacular trail in Maine, Kem and I emerged from the woods into the bright winter sunlight. Someone had tromped out a message in huge letters, now frozen into the side of a snowbank. It said, look up. And there, above the clean line of towering, drifted snow, wind scoured against a copse of evergreens, was a perfect, cloudless, true blue dream of sky. Exquisite. My eyes returned to the message, look up. And I had missed it at first in smaller letters, thank you. The closing words of Henry David Thoreau's Walden proclaim, only that day dawns to which we are awake. There is more day to dawn. The sun is but a morning star. Thank you. My spiritual companions, may we too look, look, Oh, look, the eye of contemplation sees unto liberation. Let us look as if through the stereopticon, the everyday eye becoming an awakened eye, everything becoming to us a poignant living presence. It takes practice spiritual practice, months of no, perhaps, until one day, good. It is good to learn to pay attention, to awaken the ears of our ears, to open the eyes of our eyes. Let's look up. Let's say, Thank you.